Hello and thank you for tuning in to the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. This is number four. Uh, we were off for week one, quite frankly, because we were too damn busy here on the blog, but uh, we're back in action and we got a good guest with us this week. It's going to be Cincy Joe, Cowboys Ride for Free, which I always want to try to call Cowboys Ride Fences for Free, like the Desperado song. Uh, and I got a guest host with me for the first time, Jeff Twining, a good man, a good basketball player and a former Western Washington Viking football player joining the podcast. So, Jeff, say hello to everyone. How's it going, Kyle? Thanks for having me. It's good to be here on the Saturday Blitz podcast. And we're talking about conference realignment right now because what the hell else is there to talk about during the season? We could talk about football, which we're going to, specifically Oklahoma State and Arizona, but first we want to get into some of this realignment garbage because, well, that's at the forefront of every headline right now. So, Talking about Baylor specifically and their possible injunction of Texas A&M going to the SEC, and uh, Jeff had some interesting thoughts on that. So uh, what do you think about Baylor going to either stop the move to the the SEC for Texas A&M or potentially going elsewhere? Well, I think if you look at it, first of all, uh, it's understandable that Baylor is going to want to keep programs from leaving the Big 12. Uh, They want to stay in the Big 12, keep it one of the Big 6 BCS conferences, But at the same time, looking at how things have played out in the past, if teams want to leave conferences, they're going to leave conferences. Colorado left, had to pay some money. Nebraska left, had to pay some money. And a lot of times schools are just going to be willing to give up that money to go and make the move that they want. Uh, When A&M first said that they wanted to go to the SEC, initially the SEC was hesitant to bring them in. But then they relented, and now the SEC has granted A&M the, the ability to come into the conference. So I think that Baylor trying to block that move, while initially it makes sense for them, in the long run it's, it doesn't pay off well because it makes them look bad when you know that this is going to happen anyway. And if they do manage to work something out where A&M still gets to leave, and you're looking at a nine-team conference, potentially with BYU as a 10th, but you're at a point where you really need 12 teams in order to have a conference championship game. And where do you go? Do you pick up pieces from the WAC? And those are obviously not, not necessarily the best teams. Do you, do you look elsewhere, or do you stand pat at 10, adding BYU as your uh, 10th member? Well, I, I think that if A&M ends up leaving and you're only down to nine teams, you're, you're most likely looking at uh, the Big 12 dissolving as a conference. Uh, there's talk of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both moving to the Pac-12. Uh, they're trying to get that up, up eventually to a 16-team conference. And I think the best move for Baylor, realistically, is to move to the Mountain West. They're, uh, they're adding Fresno, Hawaii, and Nevada next year to bring the conference up to 10. If they can bring in Baylor and maybe take one more team out of the Big 12 – bring it to a 12-team conference, you get your conference championship, you're most likely playing Boise every year, which is clearly one of the top, con- or one of the top programs in the country. Uh, it, it would make sense for Baylor to look to bring maybe a Kansas or a Kansas State out of the Big 12, get them to jump to the Mountain West, and then all of a sudden you go from the Big 12 dissolving to the Mountain West having 12 teams, and all of a sudden they're in the talk for becoming one of the BCS Big Six conferences at that point. And if the Big 12 does dissolve, then you only have five Big Six conferences, so it's only natural that Mountain West then becomes number six, just to keep that nice and uniform. Exactly. And then the talk of the Oklahomas going to the Pac-12 is interesting and makes for a nice segue because we're going to be talking about Arizona and Oklahoma State, potentially a Pac-12 or Pac-16 South matchup. And we got Cincy Joe from Cowboys Ride for Free, so stick around. 
And we're back with Cincy Joe from Cowboys Ride for Free, which, uh, as I was saying in the intro, I always want to call Cowboys Ride Fences because of the Eagles. Uh, do you ever get that on the blog? <laughs> I think that's the first, but uh, what, what can I say? <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, taking this time to chat with us this evening. We're at uh, Oklahoma State, the uh, the program that you blog about over on SB Nation, Uh Thursday night, uh, apparently the program that ESPN felt was best suited to go head-to-head with opening night of the NFL. So uh, yeah. give us a little bit about uh, what to expect from the Oklahoma State Cowboys based on what you saw in week one against the uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Man, that's, that's a good question, you know, because uh, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a, it's an interesting game, you know. It's, um, you know, we scored 61 points and, and uh, racked up you know, almost 700 yards, and, um, you know, it was a good performance, I think. Uh, there, there were some questions, you know, some fans were a little bit disappointed, if you can believe that, uh, with 61 points, but, um, you know, Whedon had, had three picks, is a little bit better than them, and, and more return for touchdowns, and so, you know, I think we're just looking to, to maybe see him get to, to, uh, uh, higher gear and make some better decisions, and you know I think we're we're all looking forward to a good game. Though I think it's I think it's a good one, and it's it's exciting to have a game like this against a you know a, a quality opponent this early in the season. So we're definitely excited. Now with uh, Brandon Wiegand having come out of that rough patch to start, well, I mean as rough a patch as you can have in scoring sixty one points, do you feel that that's a byproduct of playing without Kendall Hunter for the first time, or is that maybe more just week one typical bugs that need to get worked out? Kendall Hunter. I mean, you know, I really think it's one of those things that he Whedon has such high expectations, and I and I think you know when you're a you know even though he he's not a kid, obviously he, he's a, he's an older gentleman. Um, but <laughs> we um, you know you have those high expectations. Of, we saw him kind of as Coach Gundy said, he was pressing a little bit, and you know, I think he was just forcing some passes in, and so. You know, I think it, it, it was kind of that, you know, high expectations, wanting to come in and really just kind of blow the doors off and, and live up to the high expectations. And, and um, you know, also just it being the first game and, and kind of shaking some of the rust off. Um, you know, again, he had a great game. If you look at his numbers, I mean, I think um, he, he we racked up, and for him it was like, you know, it was a, definitely a, a, a top performance all time from a quarterback from Oklahoma State, and um, so yeah, you know, I, I think I think he was just more than anything kind of shaking some of that off, and and I think he's uh, nothing to really worry about. I think I think we're in good shape. But interesting point about Kendall Hunter. Um, you know, I, I think we saw. Uh, I personally love. What I saw kind of from a, from a run, running back and. They just um, kind of picked up the load and, and picked up where Hunter left off. Um, he he gained uh, you know about 130 yards on 22 carries, had a touchdown, and um, I think you'll see a lot of that. You'll see a lot of him, and and you'll see um, you know we've we've got a couple other guys, uh, Jeremy Smith, which kind of gets in for goal line carries. He's he's tough, and we've got a freshman. Um, probably not the freshman that you, you may or may not have heard about. Um, it's not Herschel Sims. His name is Desmond Rowland, and uh, he had eight carries for 61 yards, which was – he just looked electric out there. So I think our running attack is going to be perhaps even better without Hunter, um, if you can believe it. I, I think we're, we're good there. 
So is that, do you think, the result more of a little multifaceted, maybe more uh, more looks coming out of the running game? I think so, you know, and, and I think a lot of it, I think you can just look at our at our offensive line, man. I, I think our, our, our O-line coach, uh, Joe Wickline, he, he's just, we've been so good running the ball consistently, and um, I, I just think Oklahoma State just, I, I think we just, that's that's one of the key things that we do well, uh, and we've done well for a long time, and um you know, I think you saw um, last year, you know, Randall was definitely more of kind of that pass catching uh, back. And, and I, I don't think, I think he only had two two passes thrown his way, you know, definitely didn't rack up many yards um, catching the ball. He was definitely used kind of as a, a true running back. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's uh, our, our running attack will be, be in, in good shape this year. Now in Arizona, you see a team that uh, Cowboys played pretty well in December on the Alamo Bowl, uh, blowing out the the Wildcats. This is now becoming a little bit of an annual thing. Uh, there's the connection with Jim Click being one of the big boosters in Tucson and a former Cowboy himself. And this could be even uh, even beyond this year. Uh, well, obviously, the home and home in Tucson. But when they move past that, Pac-16 potential. Uh, what's the thought in the Big 12 right now, Big 12 country, as far as Texas A&M leaving, Baylor with the possible lawsuit, and the thought of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State jumping into the uh, the Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-14, Pac-28, whatever it's going to end up being? Yeah. Man, it's, it's crazy. That's for sure. What's what's been crazy is just how the story changes every hour. You know, it's it's Baylor is is going to sue. Baylor's not going to sue. Um, you know, the rumor mill is is definitely churning. But you know, I can say I can't speak for everyone. But personally, I think the Big Twelve is done. Uh, you know, I think the writing's on the wall there, and I I, I, I kind of love the idea of going to to the pack whatever you know i i i think the idea of going to arizona and california and oregon you know over a place like manhattan kansas college station or lubbock is is pretty appealing you know (laughs) so um, it's the other thing that i really like is i think it makes that conference a a great basketball uh conference as well you know I i think the pack 12, 10, whatever has been down a little bit in basketball, but you've got, you know, a lot of big names, and and um, I, I personally love basketball, and I, you know, I, I'm I'm excited about it. I, I think that's where we're going. I think you're going to see Oklahoma and Oklahoma State uh, join you guys out west, and and uh, I think it's an exciting change. Now, when you talk about basketball with uh, the Oklahoma State Arizona connection, uh, the last time they saw each other, I believe, was the Salim Stoudemire fadeaway, and uh, I think the football team kind of made up for that. Well, Cowboys made up for that a little bit in the Alamo Bowl, uh, so that's uh, th- that's going to be a, a neat little uh, rematch coming up if that happens in, in 2013. Absolutely, I'm still a little sick about that, but. Uh... Hey, uh, I, I just want to ask you real quick about um, the Thursday night matchup. I was looking at some of the Oklahoma State notes, and uh, I think the last two years they've played on Thursday nights. They've won both games. Both of them have been come-from-behind victories. I think I think it was two years ago when Blackman had uh, a game-winning score against Tulsa. And do you think that some of that factored into ESPN's decision to uh, you know, go to Oklahoma State for the game Thursday night up against the NFL kickoff? 
Thursday games have been a little bit of a, a of an exciting deal for us. You know, um, really two two years ago, um, we, our, our starting quarterback uh, Zach Robinson was hurt, and uh, it was a, a kind of a, a no name guy uh, off the bench who didn't even really play in the first half, named Brandon Whedon, that came in against Colorado and uh, just lit them up and I mean that was really the first glimpse we saw of Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman um those were they were just kind of you know guys off the bench that came in and um we definitely came from behind and and won that game and then last year we had a big conference battle uh on a Thursday night uh against Texas A&M where we were down in the first half offense really didn't get going and um Whedon and, and Blackman really came on in the second half, and we won last year uh, with a last-second field goal in a very exciting game. Um, you know, I, I think it's I, absolutely. I mean, I think that those are two games, two Thursday night games, and um, they were exciting, and I, I, I bet ESPN's banking on another one. Now, that Thursday night game last year, I remember the, the big matchup was uh, – it wasn't even a big matchup at the time because Brandon Whedon at that time, son, really carved out his name, was kind of more known as a, as a guy that had played some baseball and was just sort of getting his first uh, touches, and uh, Jared Johnson being the big name coming in. And this time, it's a little bit more of a marquee matchup in terms of, of hype as you got uh, Whedon now, who's a guy that's been talked about as a potential Heisman, uh, as well as Justin Blackman, and then Arizona's got a pair in Nick Foles and Drawn Kreiner. What are you expecting to see in terms of that uh, that head-to-head matchup of uh, top-notch quarterbacks throwing to top-notch receivers? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. You know, and I, is, is Kreiner is he is he playing? I don't know. I, I've seen things he's not traveling with the team. Do you guys have any news on that? Uh, I actually don't know as far as uh, the last I had seen. But uh, I'll tell you what he he had had those uh, issues over the summer. But he he played on Saturday against Northern Arizona and, and uh, scored a touchdown, I believe. But uh, Boy, that uh, that would really hurt the Wildcats' chances if, if Kreiner doesn't end up making that trip. Yeah, that's that's what I've seen. I don't think anything's been confirmed, but man, you know, if, if he's healthy and he's playing, then he definitely scares me. I mean, I he's a he's a big athletic receiver. Um, you know, Foles obviously, as an Oklahoma State fan, is, is scary. I mean, I we did a good job on him uh, in the Alamo Bowl, but. I tend to think bowls are kind of, you know, they're the end of the year and they're, they're kind of their own thing. And um, I, I really, you know, kind of think playing, you know, us, us just kind of meeting recently and, and having tape and uh, it's, 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 it's really a, a rematch in the true sense of the word. And, um, you know, Foles definitely scares me. He, he's, uh, he, he's a great quarterback. Um, he, he can sling the ball around and, we're going to have to do a really good job uh, getting pressure on him. Now, what's interesting about Oklahoma State is we uh, tend to do a really good job kind of on the opposing team's uh, number one receiver. You know, you look at guys like Fuller at Texas A&M, uh, Broyles at Oklahoma. Um, even last week, you look at, uh, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, they've got an All-American uh, tight end named Ladarius Green, mm. who we contained um, very well. It's usually like the number two and number three guys that blow up on us. Um, so I, I don't know who that is, but um, I would suspect your uh, your second and third guys could be in for some, some big games tomorrow night. 
Well, they're going to have to be because uh, just check the wire, and indeed, Kreiner did not make that trip. Mike Stoops not commenting, so that certainly changes the dynamic of that game. Uh, now, last year in the in the bowl game, Arizona was able to rack up significant yardage, but suffered a lot of turnovers and red zone inefficiency, which were both big issues for the Wildcats last season. How do you think Oklahoma State kind of solves those issues of giving up yardage, or do you feel like it's an issue where it doesn't even necessarily matter? Maybe they're more in their comfort zone if they are kind of in a shootout. Well, you know, that's that's an interesting question because you look at the way that the offensive kind of chugged along last year, and, and you know, with uh, our coordinator, Dana Holverson, that was kind of his – that's just how he does things, you know. I don't think that uh, giving up yards – I don't think really he gives a shit about <laughs> giving up yards. I mean, really, it's, it's just – you know, you, you, it's the classic kind of bend, don't break. And if you give up yards, oh, well, get out and score, and, and it's even. And um, I think that's I'm, – I'm really curious to see kind of how, how that goes this year, how the pace of the games go. Um, you know, if we do tighten up the defense and, um, you know, are able to kind of limit yardage, I, I think the key tomorrow night is going to be – getting pressure on Foles you know it's it's really that simple if we don't get pressure he's gonna have a field day um you know and with the field day comes big yards and big numbers so I'm gonna be watching our defensive ends uh Jeremy Blatnick and uh Rashetti Jones closely to kind of see if they're getting pressure you know it's a good early season test to see if we're gonna be able to get any rush this year um it's hard to tell against a team like Louisiana Lafayette and so um I really think, you know, regardless of tomorrow night's outcome, we're going to learn a lot about our defense, and we're going to learn a lot about how far this team's going to go defensively, uh, you know, throughout the year. You were talking about that and how uh, last week against Louisiana Lafayette, it's kind of one of those cupcake opponents. You get out there, you put up a lot of points, you gain, you know, a, a ton of yards on the ground and in the air, and and then second week you go short week, you host a pretty good opponent in Arizona. And, and do you think that having such a marquee game early in the season is good for the Cowboys in the sense that they're kind of below the Oklahomas and the Texases and the, the Big 12, and this is a chance to you know, show that the, their defense is capable with hanging with the big boys and on ESPN in a nationally televised game, they, it can almost be a breakout game for them this year? Yeah, I do. I think so. You know, I, I definitely think this is an opportunity. You know, you're on a big stage, and, and you're playing a quality opponent. And so, you know, if, if they come out and, you know, they, they do put up a, 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 and, and have a nice defensive showing, um, I think that's going to go a long way. I think it's, it'll go a long way kind of with the confidence of the team, um, obviously the confidence of the fans and, and – um, you know, and, and the players, you know, which is the most important thing. I think if you go out and, you know, you can limit a quarterback like Foles, uh, regardless of whether or not he's got his, his, his top receiver, you know, if you can limit him, pressure him, um, and, and put up a, a good defensive showing, uh, I, I think that goes a, a long, long way uh, for your confidence, through, for, for, you know, throughout the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I absolutely think that's that's something to, to keep an eye on. And what's the general consensus as far as a ceiling on this year's uh, Cowboy team? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. I think, you know, it's funny. We, uh, we did sort of a... a games we for each game as as a blog and kind of uh our, our riders came together and 
I think the expectations are, are astronomically high. Um, you know, I, I really think that there are a lot of people here that believe we can we can win out. Um, we've got that rematch at the end of the season against Oklahoma in Stillwater, which is kind of a rare thing to get your uh, your your nemesis uh, at home two years in a row. And um, I, I think there's a lot of people, and I, I would include myself in this mix, that think we're a good team. We can. Um, we kind of we, we play the right schedule and the right teams to, to go out and do some really big things. Now that Oklahoma game, I know it's uh, almost three months away, but uh, oh, cold dropped. <laughs> no, so so yeah, I, I was just saying, you know, I, I think um, I, I think it's 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 a unique situation to have uh, Oklahoma at, at home you know, two, two years in a row. It's, it's kind of your, your arch rival um, to play them. And, and I, I think that, you know, th- there are a lot of people, including myself, that feel like we can go a long way uh, this year. And, and I think this is a year where we can definitely, we can get it done. You know, I think, uh, I, I think, I think a BCS bowl is, uh, is definitely the, uh, the, the expectation and, and, um, you know, we've got the schedule that if we can take care of business and beat OU, we've got a good chance to, to, to play in a, in a national title game. So you were talking about how you get, you get Oklahoma, your big rivals, in Stillwater at the end of the season. I'm not that familiar with, uh, you know, Stillwater, the area. Obviously, I've never been. But I know Big 12 is known for having some pretty rabid fan bases. And I was doing just some research for the game tomorrow, and uh, it said Arizona hasn't played in Stillwater since 1941. And so I was wondering if you could talk just a little bit about what the game day atmosphere is like there and what makes it such a hard place for opponents to come and, you know, play a good game and try to get a win. Right, right. So um, that's an interesting question because you, you think about a Thursday night game and a Thursday night – Thursday night games are different, you know. You don't have – uh, all day to kind of sit there and tailgate and drink and, and get rowdy. Um, you know, I think it's a seven o'clock kick, and so um, things will get started over there. Um, you know, tailgating wise, probably around three or four. So you've got a smaller window to kind of get it going. Um, you know, Stillwater is it's kind of your classic. You know, it's it's a small college town. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, it, the the fans of Oklahoma State. Uh, generally are uh, people that, that went to the school. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just uh, it, it's a, it's a tight knit community, um, you know, and, and you kind of add kind of the expectations of this season and the excitement around Oklahoma state football and uh, you know, bring ESPN into town with their, uh, 3D cameras, and uh, it's going to be a big game. It's it's definitely going to be exciting. I think everyone will be ready to to cheer the Cowboys on. It'll it'll be an electric environment for sure. Now the Oklahoma game is obviously the one that's sort of circled on the calendars. But what do you see as being the other sort of major uh, hurdles in the Big Twelve? And it, has Baylor kind of popped up with their showing against TCU and the way Robert Griffin looked? Yeah. So I mean, you talk about hurdles, and I think. Uh, we, we've got another early season hurdle against Texas A&M. You know, we've got to go to College Station and, 
and and play them. And I think really that's that's a that's a big key. I think you're going to learn a lot uh, as an Oklahoma State fan. You're going to you're going to kind of see a lot how the season goes. And a lot, I, I personally think a lot's going to hinge on that game. You know that that game could very easily be uh, you know for kind of the the, the title of uh, of Big Twelve champion and. You know, if you don't go down there and you don't take care of business, it makes it a lot harder to uh, have that kind of final match with with OU. And um, you know, I, I think that's what people are expecting. I, I think you know, we, we, our schedule is is not easy by any stretch. You know, we've got to travel to Texas A&M. We've got to travel to Missouri. Uh, we've got to travel to Texas. Um, you know, we've got to go out to Texas Tech and out play out in Lubbock, which is never easy, and so uh, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be an easy road, um, but we're a good team, you know, and I, and I think uh, I think we can get it done. And those matchups you're talking about, such, such classic showdowns that, I guess I, maybe using the term classic a little loosely, given that the Big 12's only been around 15 years, but the talk that we had earlier about the, the Pac-12 and that possibly happening, uh, do you think there's any hope for keeping the Big 12 around, and what do you think an incarnation of that sticking around as maybe 10 or if they're able to get three more teams if A&M leaves might end up looking like? You know, I, I really don't. I don't see the Big 12 sticking around. I think it's, I, I, I think it's over. Um, I, I just don't think, you know, and, and we, could, we could get off into a whole other conversation about Texas and about the Longhorn Network and what that that effect on on the big 12 but you know basically you've got texas who has been sort of pushing people around and you you know you you get into kind of the idea of uh revenue sharing and how there's not much equality when you when you look at schools like texas um nebraska was the first to kind of uh see that writing on the wall and leave and Colorado kind of did the same thing, and they, they went out and joined you guys. And so um, I personally don't think that you can find a team. I mean, there's been some talk about a team like BYU, um, and I just – nothing against BYU, but I, I don't see that as kind of being, you know, an equal trade. You know, Texas A&M, um, you know, if they go to the SEC, um, like them or not, that's a big loss. They're a big school. They've got good tradition, um, a huge fan base, and, and a lot. they bring a lot of revenue into the conference. And I just think finding someone to replace that uh, would be really tough. And I, I, I just think at the end of the day, you know, if the Pac-12 comes knocking, you can't decline them again. Um, I don't know that there'll be a third invitation. And so I personally believe that uh, OU and OSU are both going to kind of look at that very seriously. And uh, I think they're going to jump at it. And, you know, I, I think we'll be heading out west. Do you, do you think that, that a lot of the, the realignment, it does end some of these recent rivalries? And I know I heard uh, Bob Stoop said that he can see a future of college football without the Red River, River rivalry every year, which to me, I'm only 24 years old, that seems, seems kind of foreign to not be playing that game every year. If Oklahoma State chooses to leave, is Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, is that a package deal where one goes, they're both going to end up going? Yes, I, I really think so. I I can't see us and really either team going without the other. Um, 
it, it could happen, you know, but I, I, I don't see it. I, I, I think we are a package deal, um, you know, and I, I think I, I think we go where they go, and and uh, I think that's really just the reality of the situation. What do you think with the if the Big Twelve does dissolve as a conference? Uh, that BCS loses one of its big six conferences. Kyle and I were talking earlier about uh, the Mountain West and how they're picking up Nevada, Fresno State, and Hawaii next year to, uh, with the loss of TCU to get back up to 10 teams. I think that's a great place for Baylor to end up uh, and then you know try to grab a 12th team. What do you think the future of the BCS is if the Big 12 does in fact dissolve and they're only left with five big five conferences, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I, I think I think that's just all more reason for for OU and, and OSU to, to head, you know, to to that the, the, the major conferences. And I you know I really think it's just what we're seeing is just kind of the, the a huge change in the landscape of college football. I think the the major conference is going to be kind of the the new thing. I think you're going to see 16 in in the pack. I think you're going to see 16 in the SEC. Um, and uh, you know, I think a, a, a team like Baylor and 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 uh, uh, you know can, can would be a good add for for that Mountain West. And and you know, I I, I, I just really think that we're going to get to a point where there are um, you know these major sixteen team conferences that that compete. And I, it, I really, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. You know, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's hard to speculate. You know, you've got uh, all these big conferences and then you look at how does that affect the BCS? You know, if you've got 16 teams in the pack and 16 teams in the big 10, um, you know, is, is there a playoff to decide who goes?